Welcome to Real Estate Investing Abundance, the show for busy, fulfilled professionals like you to learn how to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Now, here is your host, Dr. Alan Lomax. Hello, enlightened investors. I'm your host, Dr. Alan. Delighted that you've joined us today. Are you a busy professional, passionate about the work of your calling, yet realize that even though you love what you are doing, you're exchanging your time for money? You know that if you were to lose the ability to exchange time for money, your financial well-being will be in jeopardy. If you can relate, I have great news. Steve Talker Capital is an investment company designed for professionals to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. Remove the anxiety of an uncertain financial future and go to steetalker.com. Get your free one-page 10-step guide to passive real estate investing. Enlightened investors, get your money working harder so you don't have to. Rick Martin is the founder of Fortress Federation Investments, which helps investors accelerate their wealth and build cash flow by investing in apartment communities. He is both a general and limited partner in 1,600 units around the country, so he fully understands the benefits of passive investing and is able to guide his investors. So, Rick, before we get into real estate, share with us a memorable experience from your formative years. It helped you to be who you are today. If it's going to be something that shaped me to who I am today, I guess I have to harken back to when I just graduated university, University of Washington School of Business, and I was sitting in an interview. And the interview, I had had several interviews, and none of them felt quite right. So I decided right then and there, I needed to go travel and this wasn't going to be very popular with my dad at the time. He was the poor dad of the rich dad, poor dad series. I would say he, really a great guy, amazingly talented, very intelligent. He was a doctor, highly academic, but you know, he believed in going to university and getting that job. And I didn't know how he was going to react, but you know, my stomach was crawling in these interviews. And I, I told him I was pretty, pretty honest with him. And he said, well, hey, you know, do what you got to do. And I, I said, I'm thinking about going on a trip around the Pacific Rim. I've never really, I come from a big family, like eight kids, eight children. And I don't think I even, well, I got on a plane once prior to this trip I'm about to describe, but I got on a plane to Missouri with my mom to go back and visit her parents. But other than that, I'd never been on a plane. And by this time I was 22 years old. So I got on that plane alone, never having really seen the world. And it was scary, you know, and I was going into countries that not only didn't speak English, but didn't have English characters on the sign. I talk about culture shock. And I had some crazy adventures too long to get into today, but it really tested my resilience and able ability to deal with adversity. Had some injuries on the trip, had some scary moments where my life was threatened. It was quite an adventure. It was over a year of travel. And it really shaped me into being a free spirit and wanting to just have a less ordinary life. Interesting. It'd be nice to get into those adventures one of these days. (laughs) But let's get into real estate here. And what do you mean when you say get your money working harder so you don't have to? Well, there's nothing wrong with hard work, but we ought to work smarter if we can. So letting your money sit there idly in a savings account is very smart. So we want to get that money working hard and and you know there's that saying you want to make money in your sleep and it's it's just a nice feeling knowing that the the wheels are turning 
the machine is working and your investments are growing. Now you have to put a little work and time and energy into studying up on what you're going to invest in. But once you get the machine rolling, it can take over and it's up to you how much you want to tap into that. Do you want an early retirement or maybe you just want to leverage some of that money to pay for a kid's college tuition or go on some some vacations or take a sick day? (laughs) (laughs) Enlightened investors will be right back after this important announcement. I have a big ask that will only take a moment of your time. Ratings and reviews are the lifeblood of our podcast. So to leave a review, iPhone or other Apple iOS device users, go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes. For all you non-Apple device users, go to podchasers.com. On either platform, search for Real Estate Investing Abundance. Once found, please leave a review and a rating. Subscriptions are also vital to our show's success, so please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. It is free to subscribe, and you can unsubscribe at any time. It's always nice to have a cushion there of any type. Of course, it's really nice when you can reach that level of where you can really say that you really do have financial independence. You have been on really both sides of the coin. You've been an active investor as a general partner, and you have been a passive investor as a limited partner. Give us your perspective from your different points of view. What are the differences between actively investing in real estate and passively investing? I generally passively invest in every deal that I'm involved in. So yes, I'll be active on the side of acquisitions and due diligence and marketing. I'm not so much in the asset management side, but when I see a good deal, I know it and I bring it out to my investors and I want to passively invest in as well because I like getting that cash flow as well. Before I actually ever did my own or participated in a general partnership, I was a passive investor. And I, I have to say, I didn't didn't really know what I was doing. You know, I, I would be like, well, they seem like nice guys. <laughs> Um, it's a nice market. I like the granite countertops or, or what have you. I wasn't, I, I'm kind of kidding. I mean, I, I did a lot of study of multifamily prior to doing that. But looking back, I, I think I could have done more due diligence. And what it helps me and it, what it helps the team is that I look at it from the perspective of a passive investor. If someone throws something out there in terms of deal structure and how we're going to structure this deal and how it's going to be presented to the investors, if I hear something that doesn't sound very fair or it's not going to be very appealing for an investor, I let the team members know. I just let them know that and why that that would be the case. Maybe some of them haven't passively invested and they don't understand that not having a preferred return is, you know, would be maybe a red flag for some investors or, you know, having an aggressive waterfall. There's just certain things about the deal structure there. I think that you have to be careful and keep it fair for both sides of the fence. And when you're talking about keeping it fair from both sides of the fence, what are really the fundamentals that you are going to look at when a potential deal comes across your desk? Well, first, you have to start with the market. I think, I mean, this is, this is aside from, let's say you've chosen your operator and you feel very comfortable with the team that's running the deal. You want to analyze that market and make sure the fundamentals are sound. Median income is a big one. There's kind of a pocket of median income that you want to fall into. And that's anywhere from 40K on up to you know, 70K, I think is a good window. Um, it's sort of that working class cash flowing market kind of 
window. You know, if you're getting into really high median income, then there might not be so much cash flow there. And of course, you want to see what the drivers of the market are, how many jobs are being generated, how what, what the migration rates are, um, what's going on, what's the buzz in that market? Is it is it going to continue? But then when you get into the deal itself, you want to take a look at the cost basis, you know, the price per unit, and you want to compare that to the comps, just like you would if you were out there looking for your own deal. And you might wonder, well, how do I get that information? Yeah, I think the the best way is to phone in a favor from a real estate friend, try to get your hands on a CoStar report. They they list the comps out nicely and you can analyze the price per unit. But you know, nine times out of 10, your operator is going to provide you all the comps in the area and you can see where the cost basis falls into. And you know, other things are uh, how achievable is the business plan? Are they overspending on their renovation budget for that market? Maybe that particular asset class with, for that particular tenant base doesn't require granite countertops. So you want to make sure that the renovations match the, the tenant base. And then you want to make sure they're not shooting for the moon in terms of rent increases. I always like to, you want to see some rent increases. You want to make sure that there's some, you know, margin for growth there, but you want to some sort of land no further than halfway on the, between the comps, meaning you don't want to be setting the bar for the high rent in the submarket or the neighborhood. So there's things like that. Other things are, I'm not, I'm not a fan of seeing a refinance in the underwriting. I think that's just adding a, a different layer of unpredictability. You know, how, how do we know what interest rates are going to be in three years if we decide to refinance? You know, I think the most value add business plans, we're, we're aiming to refinance, right? We're, we're aiming to, to add value and, and pull that cash out and re- return it to the investors. But there's so many moving targets. It's very difficult to predict that. So I think you want to see a business plan that's underwritten on a five-year hold, you know, based on the sale at the end of that five years. So those are a couple of things. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. As an industry-leading, relationship-focused, design-build construction firm, Mosaic Construction has worked in many different asset classes from multifamily to retail, medical, industrial, and commercial. Mosaic Construction works to execute interior and exterior renovations with their team of trades and project managers. Their experience with value-add improvements has resulted in increased ROI and long-term value of the assets. They work nationally in partnership with local trades to deliver thoughtful, problem-solving construction management solutions to all their clients. For a personal no-obligation consultation, call Ira Singer, 773-491-3145. Or email Ira at mosaicconstruction.net. You can also find Ira on LinkedIn. Well, it sounds like, I mean, all of the things you mentioned there, median income jobs, migration, and you definitely went inflow on that. Cost basis, per unit, comps, all of those things. Sounds to me like you actually need to be partnering with somebody who knows what they're doing because none of those things are easily grasped. And uh, certainly a newbie is going to have a difficult time putting all of that together. That's a good comment. And I think along those lines, it should be presented in your investment summary. It should be laid all out. You, you, you want to look for those things, make sure that they are put out there in front of you. So nothing's being hidden, hidden under the carpet. You had mentioned that you didn't think you were, you knew exactly what you were doing when you first got into it. I hear that comment a lot from some now very experienced investors, but a lot of them go, well, they were nice guys. (laughs) 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 And so so I just laid down Mm $50,000 and 
and uh, oftentimes it, uh, it it works out okay, but you know sometimes <laughs> yeah, it, does. <laughs> it, it doesn't does. it doesn't necessarily. So you've been doing this for a while though, and so you don't go just go in there and well these are nice guys, so I'm going to throw my money in there. How did you really develop the skill to really have a pretty clear idea as to whether or not this is going to be a good and workable deal? And first of all, I'm going to preserve the investment. And secondly, I am going to get cash flow. And thirdly, I'm going to increase the value on this. I think you want to you know, take a look at the deal. And, and like I say, you want to make sure they're not shooting for the moon. You want to make sure that this business plan is achievable. That's a nice cash on cash percentage. Why is that happening? You're going to start to learn things the more you, you passively invest. There are books out there. I know Brian Burke wrote a great book, but is the cash on cash because there is a refinance or maybe they got some interest only for four years? There, there are little, there are little levers that you, you learn and, and you can't really learn until you start digging in and asking operator, your operator, some questions. I get asked all kinds of questions and most of them I can answer. But for instance, I'm not the asset manager. So there's some specifics on the asset management side that I don't know. If you're talking with someone, they're trying to answer all your questions and you're, you're getting a feeling like, eh, it's not, doesn't sound really quite like he knows what he's talking about. That could be a red flag. You know, I, I think the best answer in that case may be, I don't handle that part of the the business. Let me ask the guy who does, the, the lady who does, and I'll get an answer back to you. I think you can really learn a lot about an operator, a deal, you know, whether your capital will be preserved by how they communicate. So it's not a, ba- a bad idea to ask, can you show me how you, what, what sort of statements that you provide every month? Maybe your quarterly reports, your, your monthly reports. You, you kind of want to get a sense for their transparency and make sure that you can monitor how your deal is performing. One thing you want to look for in a monthly report is a budgeted net operating income versus your projected operating income and then your actual operating income. This way you can sort of monitor how your deal is performing as opposed to just sitting there and hoping for the best. And in terms of like the nice guy, there, you know, there's actually something to that. I think your gut does tell you a lot. It gives you intuition, but at some point, you want to get a, a sense of their competence and how they're going to handle communication is a big one. I harken back to that. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Would you ever invest all your money in a single stock? Very unlikely. Yet investors are willing to risk $50,000 to $100,000 in a single property in real estate all the time. Investor is the world's first customizable real estate investment platform. Investors can build their own custom portfolio selecting investments across multiple asset classes such as single-family homes, multifamily, student housing, self-storage, and shopping centers. You can also invest across multiple markets and different time frames. Avestra also enables other real estate entrepreneurs and syndicators to build and use Avestra's infrastructure and cloud platform to create their own customizable real estate funds. To learn more, visit us at avestorinc.com. Avestor, real estate investing made simple. Well, this is a really hot market and it's uh, getting, seems to me to get, be getting more and more difficult to really get deals that are actually going to pencil out so that you can get uh, cash flow as well as you can get value add at the end of the deal there. Uh, so what is your take on the market? 
Are you finding deals? Where do you think it's going to go? Man, you know, I think it was back in 2017 when I said, all right, we're at the top. This is it. Deals are coming. And it didn't happen. And then COVID hit. Okay, this is it. Here they come. You know, everybody's going to lose their business, lose their their ability to cover their mortgage. And incredibly, it hasn't happened. There just happens to be a lot of money out there in the market that can handle these compressed cap rates. The two things I think that are driving that the most are obviously the limited supply. It's incredible. We're actually in a deal right now. I can't really talk too much about it, but it's incredible. In the submarket is 97.5% occupancy. The building itself is 99% occupancy. There's such a imbalance between supply and demand in this particular submarket that prices can't help but go up and therefore drive cap rates down. What was the second part of that question? You had a- Are you finding opportunities yeah. in this market? Well, luckily- I am, but that's because I leverage good partnerships and people that are boots on the ground. Um, we focus primarily in the Southeast and Texas. And I'm fortunate enough to have people that are local in those markets who can walk out and meet with the brokers and establish relationships. And it's, it's interesting. You, you establish a relationship with one broker or even seller and you find out, oh, they have some other buildings to sell. And there's always meat on the bone, uh, bone on these deals. Now, you, you know, you can have a home run of a deal. That's, that's pretty hard to find these days, but there are, I do believe there are a lot of good deals out there that provide good returns for investors and are highly achievable. I, I don't see this market changing anytime soon. People always are going to need a place to live in multifamily. And right now there's just not enough places to live. So unfortunately for the renters, Rents are being driven up and part of that is inflation, but, you know, interest rates, they've been holding interest rates down, you know, for quite a while now. And I just think that, you know, the the combination of low interest rates and uh, high demand and limited supply, I think it's just going to continue on. And I'm not sure what's going to change it. Maybe a spike in interest rates, but that's a ways off. That's what it seems to be that they're going to hold those interest rates steady. We'll see. Who knows what the future will hold here. (laughs) Well, Rick, tell us a little about how it is that our viewers and listeners can get in touch with you and learn more from you. You can come to our website, www.fortressfederation.com, and uh, you can connect with me there. We have an investor club if you're interested in investing. And we also have a, a guide on the quick start guide to investing in syndications to uh, get you up and running quickly. Yeah, there's a, there's a place there where you can set up a, a call and we can have a chat. Okay, excellent. Well, Rick, share with us one of your most difficult setbacks in life and how did you come through that time and what did you learn from that experience? Well, I would say probably the most difficult setback was when I lost my mom just completely unexpectedly. We'd lost my my dad to cancer several years prior, I think five years prior. And that was a long, you know, slow death, unfortunately for him. And in a way, it was a blessing that my mom was, was taken fast, but nobody saw it coming. And it just blindsided us and blindsided me. And, you know, all those years, I was still mama's baby. I was like number eight out of all the eight kids. Mm-hmm. And in, in a way that, you know, we talked about my formative years, that, that sort of shaped me. When you're, when you're the baby, you're a little bit spoiled, maybe a little bit babied. And you maybe don't take hold of a situation like maybe the, the oldest of a family would or an old soul. At least that was my excuse. And when my mom passed away, you know, it, it was sad. I, I, of course, I, I grieved. I, I got over it, but it kind of like 
forced me. Okay. And, you know, I, she died at a fairly young age, I will say. So I, I, at this point, I was like, okay, you know, <laughs> nobody's looking out for you anymore. Um, you know, on some subconscious level, yes, I was mom's little boy. And, and you know, this kind of like forced me to be, you know, become become the man I am today. And, and I think I became a, a heck of a lot more responsible after that. Sometimes that's what we need to grow up, isn't it? Well, when you leave this world and you lay on your deathbed, what will you look back on with your greatest sense of fulfillment and satisfaction? I'm happy with, with the way my, my boys are turning out. They're, they're great kids. I was fortunate enough to uh, continue my travels throughout my, my adult years and met my wife on a trip. And we share the same philosophy and, and raising two happy, healthy boys. I try to instill them to just be kind, thoughtful, and generous. And that will come back to you. And I just want to be kind of, I want to be a good dad, number one. And I definitely want to give back to society as much as I can. Well, Rick, it has been a pleasure getting to know you. And thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been my pleasure, Alan. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in to Real Estate Investing Abundance, brought to you by Steed Talker Capital, a company working for passionate professionals like you to develop financial independence built on solid, passive real estate investments. As part of our efforts to make the world a better place, Steed Talker Capital contributes to activities and organizations committed to better understand the equine. These endeavors attempt to enhance the human treatment of horses worldwide. Steed Talker Capital, working for a world where all creatures, great and small, flourish abundantly. For resources to develop your financial independence, connect with us at Steed. Talking